0: Hello guys, welcome to the next episode of the Challenger 2 Podcast. I'm actually at a Challenger right now in Kozerki or Gradzich however you want to call it, but of course that's uh, an event that we're just going to preview here. It's only been the the first round of the qualifying that was completed, but you, you know I will go deep into into that one into that in uh, in a while but of course for now i also have to talk about the events that happened um this is actually going to be a solo episode so yeah let's just get down to business and uh, we've got five events on the um, you know on the schedule for today's recording five events to uh review and the only challenger under 125 that we had this week was in santo domingo and this actually fi- finished so late uh, it was like 5 a.m for me on monday because um, on Saturday it was rained off, and then they also scheduled it very late on Sunday, which I'm not really sure why, you know, because if it rained, then they would have been in big trouble. But, but well, it didn't, so they managed to get it done, uh, playing both the semifinals and the final on Sunday. And Genaro Alberto Olivieri was the champion, beating Marco Truchelitti in the final. And, um, yeah, Olivieri, surprisingly good uh, green clay player. I think we covered this already when... Um, around Sarasota maybe in April Uh, I believe we were talking about this and also he won a 25k in Naples a few years back you know that forehand can really look um, pretty damn dangerous on green clay you know I think he, he, he likes these sort of a bit faster clay conditions uh, at the same time you know probably like very high altitude isn't that great for him but when it's just a touch faster I think also like in Montevideo which he won at the beginning of uh, sorry at the end of 2022 I think he can be really dangerous in such um, circumstances and his draw was pretty easy until the semis I think but then he had to beat Federico Correa and Marco Trujaliti in one day and he did it both, um, like he, he beat both in three setters. So I think it was a fantastic effort. And Olivieri is also now uh, debuting inside the top one hundred and fifty, which is uh, pretty crazy, right? I mean, before this run, you never would have thought of him as as like a potential top one hundred and fifty prospect. In you know, in just a week, uh, he was at one nine three. So it's a it's a huge leap. But um, kudos to him. You know, great stuff. He was also in the French Open third round this year which as we remember was one of the easiest draws you could get Pecciperica, Dvavasori, but he took it and uh, is now reaping the rewards Uh, Marco Truncheritti the finalist for the second year in a row in Santo Domingo and um, yeah another guy who like has a very attacking clay game right for for a clay specialist he is definitely very aggressive so green clay is good for him and uh, yeah, Santo Domingo last year, he lost to Pedro Cacin. This time he goes out to Olivieri. He actually had the tougher draw, I think, on the way to the final, beating Tabilo and Comesania, uh, all in straight, set, straight sets. Before the final, he actually didn't lose a single set. Great run for the Argentinian, who's, of course, the grandson qualifying legend. And soon enough, we're going to see him in, uh, in New York at the, um, at the US Open, obviously. Um, and um, when it comes to the semi-finalists we had Federico Coria, the top seed. I'm kinda torn on like whether whether Green Clay actually suits him or not. He has won a Green Clay Challenger in the past, which c- kinda surprises me every time. I think it was actually his maiden challenger title in the States. Uh, this week he beat Fikovic in a tight third setter in the second round and also Tomic another free setter and lost to Olivieri in the semis which you know is a fine loss he was up a break in the in the third set so I think it's it's still a decent result for Korea that semi-final um, but yeah by the time he made the semis he was probably the favorite but then again yeah Green Clay I just I just don't think it's particularly good for him even though you know obviously he has done well on it in the past. And uh, Francisco Comesania, we have to talk about the other semi finalist I mean, the results that he's getting recently, they're just incredible, right? Um, when it comes to his last seven events, and these are all Challenger Tour events, by the way, he has made the final, the title, the semi-final, the semi-final, the quarter-final, the final, and the semi-final here. So basically, in his last seven events, he's made the semis six times, the quarters every single time, uh, and in that time frame, he's also amassed two titles in one final, so ridiculous streak. Uh, you know he's currently playing like he should be a top 100 player. I don't know if it will continue, but uh, we said it a couple of weeks ago that when Comesania uh, had this ba- had these back to back challenger titles in 2022, uh, and that was in June, by the way, he then didn't win a single match until the end of the year, and right now he's just he's looking like this is impossible like he's looking like um, that form you know it might get weaker but it won't go away to this point at least and this was also pretty impressive because on the 6th of um august he was still in liberez right and he actually had to play two matches in the in a day in on sunday and then he goes to santo domingo and still makes the semis so pretty huge from Comesania, definitely and uh when it comes to the doubles we had uh, Pedro Boscardin-Dias and Gustavo Haide winning a pretty unexpected one, I think. Uh, they beat uh, Hidalgo and Rodriguez in the final, so a much more established uh, challenger doubles pairing than, than the two Brazilians. But, you know, they're talented. Usually we see it from them in singles, but they've also won a title on the Challenger Tour already in Florianópolis in April. They're basically 8-1 and one on the Challenger Tour this year together, winning two titles and losing in the opening round once. And uh, let's go over to Banja Luka, which was our only challenge 100 this week. And Dino Prismic won that one over Kimer Kopenhans, which uh, has to be super exciting, right? Uh, because the Croatian has just turned 18 in fact uh, he turned 18 just eight days before he won that first challenger title and he will break the top on her, the top 200 now so um incredible ranking for his age you know he is getting um he is getting um like a lot more aggressive with it as well uh, until recently I think his game was more mostly based on defense and like great consistency. But um, maybe I will actually read out a tweet to you because um, re- last night when I tweeted about Dino Prismic winning the title, someone tagged Kimer um who uh, I know is like sometimes active on Twitter. And, you know, I think he's also, a follow- yeah, he's definitely a follower of mine. And um, he replied to it. Um, he replied to a comment from someone under my tweet. And he said about Prismic. Great talent, really solid of both wings, can generate quite some pace on the forehand, great defensive skills, reading the game well, and quick feet. Will be nice to watch him develop. So I think I will I will just leave it to Kimmer, you know, to <laughs> to talk about Dino Prismic here. Uh, of course, he's absolutely right. And um, yeah, the creation, while I still don't think he's got like a main tour game at the moment he oh, even even though he recently made the quarters in Umag, I think he is, has absolutely shown like in, insane consistency for his age on the Challenger Tour you know before this run in Banyaluka, Luka he had 7 quarter finals this year already and uh, this was his 8th, he finally won one against Damir and uh, then got a walkover from Fabian Maroshan in the semis and then beat of course Kopejans in the final he actually wasn't even physically 100% in the uh, in, uh, on Sunday but uh, well he still made himself a nightmare to hit through was hitting like incredible shots Um this winner down the line to break 4-4-2 was super crucial in the second also the pass to that that I think kind of broke Kimmich's spirit at this point at um, 4-3 low 30, 30 so um, yeah just fantastic stuff and uh super excited to see how he does next because well the, the ranking in the top 200 at the age of 18 obviously is is a massive achievement he is a bit late to make us open Qualies, but he will be in um, melbourne so um super excited to see that as well and he obviously uh, if you guys don't know he won ron garros juniors this year but he was like way too good for juniors at this point so i think he sort of just played the, the played that's you know to um yeah just in order to get that Grand Slam Juniors title which is always a good call I think um why not right if you if you feel like you can if you feel like you will be the main favorite to win that why uh, why not do it I think it was something similar like I don't know Alex Eala did last year right at the US Open and um yeah Prismic, Prismic now has a, a Grand Slam Juniors title this year but also a Challenger title in the pros so uh ridiculous stuff really from the 18 year olds from Croatia and as I already mentioned, Kimer Copéans was the finalist. Great run. Uh, most of the year, we were talking about him, like playing a bit better than his results suggest. I feel like maybe sometimes we were just um, doing what uh, Jakub described, I think, as the nice guy factor where we were picking Kopejans to win the title or maybe picking Kopejans to qualify for a slam mostly because we just like him and want him to succeed uh, but actually I, I, I definitely believe that most of the year he has been playing a bit better than, than, than the results that he was getting the last two challenger appearances that he had he lost to Daniel Rincon. And Rincon was playing a different challenger this week, so I guess that allowed Kobayac to finally go deep. Uh, he had a, a long thriller with Nino Serdarusic in the second round. Then, um, actually against Gombosch he was a bit lucky in the quarters because he won, went uh, 0-5 down and then Gombosch got injured and had to retire after like the next three games. So uh, a touch of luck there, but then he crushed Topo in the semis. Honestly, I thought he might be beating Prismich uh, Looking at how this final was going, I know six to six three doesn't look impressive, but like there was a moment in the second set when Prismich was a bit was struggling with that leg a little bit and like s- seemed a bit tired, and Kopeikin was just approaching the net really well. Uh, but then I think um, you know his forehand just doesn't really quite have the power to hit through Prismich. And when, when he was going to the net a lot, when he showed the willingness, there were there were a few passes from Prismic that I think, yeah, just, just really broke his spirit. And uh, in the end, a pretty comfortable victory uh, for Prismic, you know, when you look at the scoreline, which in the second set, I don't think it was that comfortable, but in the opener, definitely. And um, Kim, Kimmer I think, will also return to the top 150 now. Marco Topo, uh, the 19-year-old from uh, Germany. Who reached the semifinals in Banja Luka? He was actually also in Banja Luka last year, and he lost two copays, which he which he did again. Uh, I think some of these like Balkan uh, Balkan uh, clay courts are really good for him. He's won a couple of ITFs uh, in that region. I think uh, earlier in the year as well in May. Um, generally whenever it's faster you know he's gonna be dangerous he's got a great serve and and a very aggressive game beating Madara Skoda Blancano in the main draw and he was like really crushing them I'm a little surprised he's not gonna be in Kozerki because last year he made the semis uh, and that was a huge run at that point for him I think probably his first one and this probably was the second one right I haven't checked that oh sorry it was the quarters in that he made in Kozerki Uh, but but I believe that was his first challenger quarterfinal and this was actually probably his second. Still a talented player. And, um, you know, I'm excited to see um, where he goes from here because I think his results this year have been a little underwhelming. Uh, but certainly there were also moments when he just ran into some very tough opposition. Like, I don't know, Arnaldi in the second round in uh, in Heilbronn, trosdorf the the first round against Klein. Um, recently, he also got to play Hamburg Qualies, right? And he lost to Garin so um yeah I, I still think there's a lot of potential in topo uh, obviously he's just 19 although he's gonna turn 20 in a month and the other semi-finalist was fabian Maroshan, the defending champion he looked like the defending champion this week other than the first set against durasovic you know he was crushing his opposition he was probably the favorite uh, by the time we made, by by the time we reached the semis Unfortunately for me, because I had him as my winner pick, <laughs> unfortunately Fabian um, had to withdraw before his semi against Prismic, which would have been such a classic, right? I mean, it, it, the matchup just felt so huge. Marošan Prismic in the semifinals at Banja you know, Prizmic 18 getting such good results, Marošan the defending champion and you know having broken the top 100 and beaten beaten Alcaraz this year. But unfortunately we didn't get to see it. Hopefully Maroshan will be fine for the US Open because um, that's obviously where he's headed now. He has a main draw uh, spot locked up, right? So um so yeah, he will he will be trying to recover. Still a bit of an uncertainty how he's gonna perform on uh on hardcourts, right? Because yeah, he's just played 90% of his career matches on clay, but at least in theory he should not be uh, struggling all that much. It doesn't seem like, uh, you know, he, de- he definitely has the weapons to succeed in other conditions as well. And he's had some indoor runs on the uh, Challenger Tour. And uh, yeah, and when it comes to the doubles in Banja we had Vlad Victor Cornea and philip Oswald, the number one seeds, beat Andrei Golubev and Denis Molchanov in a top seed final. And it was actually a crazy one with a 15 13 tiebreak going the way of the Romanian and the Austrian. Uh, They played together just for the second time after Heilbronn. In Heilbronn they were in the final, losing to Franz and Jebens and this time they managed to win. And uh, other than that we also had three Challenger 75s, so for now let's stay in Europe, uh, in Cordenons, where Matteo Gigante won 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 his second Challenger title actually, uh, beating Lukas Neumeyer. Gigante earlier in the year won Tenerife on hardcourts as a lucky loser by the way and then also of course had a final in Milan Um, Very tricky to play. I think he uses his leftiness extremely well And uh, that was also evident in the final like Neumeyer just couldn't get anything going on the attack And Gigante had that variety and the lefty spins to just keep throwing him out of his rhythm Um, Good run, maybe not exactly the highest quality field because I would say Probably like Blasarola or maybe vale was his, uh, you know, given the form that Dalavalle is in, was the best uh, win that he had. He was also the favorite in every single match that he played, uh, but still a huge uh, ranking jump as well. I think he's like getting closer, cl- uh, close, fair, uh, like fairly close to the top 150 at the moment, Gigante and... Um, yeah, let me let me, let me look, look that up, actually, because um, I am lo- kind of lost him right now. Yeah, 162 to career high uh, right now. And yeah, uh, the last few weeks, I think, have been very solid from him. Maybe other than that, lost to Hertz in um, San, San Benedetto. But other than that, he just lost to Delors and Marosan. And these were very tough matches. And also won Milan, uh, sorry, won Milan, made the final in Milan just over a month ago. Uh, so uh, yeah another fantastic run for the 21 year old italian who's like uh, maybe not the prime italian talent that we're talking about right but maybe he's actually going to be one of these guys who sort of advance uh, from the second row of contenders while players like bellucci passaro even nardi despite the recent title have kind of struggled this year and Lukas Neumeyer, as I mentioned, was the finalist uh, a year younger than uh, Gigantel, who it's actually the same birth year, he's going to be 21 in a month. Um, he had that uh, final run in Salzburg a month ago, and I remember talking with Jakub, like, whether he's going to maintain it this time, because he also had a good run in Salzburg in 2022. And uh, this is very good for him, I think, actually, because usually he was only good in, like, fast clay conditions. And Cordenons, I think it's just a regular clay court, so uh that that's really nice for him then again the draw maybe wasn't that tough you know Ferrari in the opener then Martino in the quarters Ricardo Bonadio I think was his best win probably and then, yeah, he just never got going in the final, you know. Whenever he was trying to do something on the attack, it would just e- end in a billion errors. There was a moment in the second set when he finally got a few games on the board, avoided uh, avoided the double bagel, hit a few of his like trademark forehand combinations, but unfortunately that was uh, not it uh, simply on Sunday for Meyer, But still a great run for him, and he is actually also going to be like in contention to make Melbourne qualifying, right? So that, that would be huge for the young Austrian. And Ricardo Bonadio, whom I mentioned, lost in the semis to a thriller uh, in the second set tiebreak. And whenever we talk about Ricardo Bonadio going deep in a challenger, we instantly think of him potentially winning that maiden challenger t- title. Uh, you know, at the age of 30, you never know how many chances you're going to get. So, uh, definitely a bit of a miss here for, from Bonadio as, you know, Neumeyer, it was winnable and then Gigante in the final. Maybe that also would have been, would have been a, a chance, right? He's had a few semifinals this year already, I think Tenerife, where he lost to Gigante, by the way, coincidentally, and also Ostrava, so, so this is his third challenger semi-final of the season, yet to make a final though and in his career he's amassed two um, championship match appearances. And the other semi-finalist was Enrico Dalla Valle. we've been talking about him a lot um, recently because he's on like a purple patch, you know, in his career. The way he's hitting his forehand right now um, I actually think like his late breakthrough is a bit similar to what Eduardo Lavagno has done with the fact that like they just have insane power and shot making on the forehead the sort of question is and like the the challenge will be to maintain it once the purple patch is gone so like when the momentum when all the all the confidence that they have right now is sort of gone and you're gonna have to um get that uh, like b game you know when you're when you're gonna have to use that b game and like have a different plan be smarter with your shot selection uh, we're sort of yet to see if both guys can pull it off but Dalavale right now carry high ranking but honestly he is still really underranked for how he played in the last um two months basically um 348 at the moment which yeah uh since uh, since these idfs in slovenia in june he has been playing like a top 250 player i think more or less so um yeah let's let's see if he can maintain it and this week i think the big one was of course the win against pasaro in the second round And when it comes to the doubles in Cordenons, we had uh, an Italian uh, uh, pairing uh, picking up the title. This was actually only their second appearances uh, together as well. And it was Francesco Forti and Giovanni Fonio. They beat Niki Calianda Punaccia and Adam Taylor in the final. And by the way, worth mentioning about uh, Calianda Punaccia and Adam Taylor, that in the opening round, they were 0-9 down in the super tiebreaker against Roman and- Ronan- Ronan- Ronan Andrés and Hector Casano uh, sorry Hector Hernán Casanova. So um, yeah, that, that was quite something, right? Uh, you can watch that on uh, the ATP Challenger Tour Twitter account. I think they just posted the whole nine match point saves that Kalianda Punacha and uh, Taylor. Uh, made um, ridiculous story, you know. I, I'm not sure if I hef, if I have ever seen it in the pros. Um, I've had um, I, I came back from like 2 nine at, a, at an amateur tournament myself in a super tiebreaker, but 0 nine is just a completely different story and uh, yeah, it's just it's just ridiculous that they managed to do it. Of course under the comments, uh, like uh, under the video in the comments section, you're gonna find a lot of people screaming that it's a fix. Yeah, like how do you fix saving nine match points? You know, how do you play this many shots and also make your opponents play this many shots? But, well, people are going to be like this, uh, especially if they don't really have a clue about tennis and they just bet on it, um, you know, and that it kind of takes they or they, uh, it kind of doesn't allow them to think clearly. But, of course, not every bettor is like that. Anyway, uh, Merbush was the other challenger 75 in Europe and Jan Hoinski won that to claim his second challenger title of uh, he, the, to claim the second challenger title of his career and Khoinski, uh was actually three match points down in the second round himself he was 5-6 uh, low 40 down on serve to Louis Vessels in the final set and he still managed to save himself you know he just played some steady tennis spread the court and uh, managed to get the errors from Vessels. So, uh, good stuff from him there. He also beat Nikola Kuhn in the first round, which was quite a mouthwatering, um, you know, draw. Uh, definitely a bit of a blockbuster. He also came back from a setdown against Dimitar Kuzmanov in the quarters and then crashed Camilo Carabelli in the final. Well, maybe crashed is not the right word because the the first uh, seven games of the match were very even, but then Kojinski won the next nine. Uh, Merbusch was also the first challenger final that he's ever had in 2018 and um, it's a nice story for him to come back and win it and also it's basically home soil right because Hoinski, as you guys probably know used to rep- represent germany he was born and raised in Koblenz he is basically polish german and british at the same time his father is polish his mother is british and he was born and raised in Germany. Um, speaks all all three languages fluently. And anyway, um, that that puts him in like at like a very good Hukari high. Uh, it's actually inside the top one hundred and thirty. So um, that that's that's really nice for Hrynski. I think uh, he is getting pretty close to maximizing his potential. I think. But would it really shock you if he made the top one hundred for a few weeks? Not really, right? Weaker players have probably done it. So. Uh, let's see if he's able to, to continue in that vein and, and manage to, to get there eventually. Right now, he is lacking like about 120 points. So as you can see, it's still a bit of a workload for sure to, to get there. And Camilo Gucarabelli, uh, the finalist, this year has not been going that good for him. And I think especially like around May, April... And then he had a couple of months of break, so I'm assuming that he was injured, and it seems like it's done him some good, like he had the quarterfinal in in uh, Ludenscheid, has been playing a lot of Bundesliga in the meantime as well, and now the final in merbus, which he he really needed with how this year has been going for him, hundred uh, percent maybe not no real standout wins this this week other than maybe Hassan and Guinard. But still a very solid run. And yeah, until 4 3, he was actually leading Koinski with a break and then lost the next nine games. Just didn't really have an idea as to what to do. You know, Koinski, the bigger serve, has really steady power with like a lot of consistency as well, like sustained hitting, and Oko had no answer. And um, the semifinalists, uh, as I already mentioned, Manuel Guinard. he was the guy who lost to Ugo Carabelli. He also stopped Daniel Rincon's uh, challenger semifinal streak, which would have been at four had Rincon won that one in the quarterfinals. And uh, yeah, Ginnard, um you know, recently he won his second challenger title right in Trois at the beginning of July. And I think he's still playing a lot more solid than he was at the beginning of the year when for a while he couldn't really win a match. Uh, maybe recently like his results have not been showing that every single time but that's also because of some tough draws you know Menschik, Misolic, Blankano early in challengers Here he had a very nice run uh, when uh, he managed to avoid th- that sort of situation and Tito Androge uh, he is actually on a great streak himself the final in Modena, the final in Amersfoort and now the semi-final in Merbusch. he uh, potentially could have made his third final in a row which would have been fantastic, but he got blown out by Hoinski in the semis. Uh, but yeah, still that sort of consistency from Droge is is pretty excellent. He's also like playing one of these events and then going, then not showing up for two weeks, which is an interesting strategy. You know, when you go so deep, you can probably pull it off, right? Like it doesn't really uh, matter for you ranking-wise because he still got these big, big results, and. Yeah, uh, potentially a player who's uh, going to be one of the next guys to win a challenger title. Very possible, Uh, even though his game, uh, you know, besides the big serve is like a little defensive. uh, He has certainly shown that in these um, semi semi semi-strong, let's say, uh, clay challengers, he he is a threat. He is usually a threat in them. And the doubles champions in Merbush were uh, Manuel Guinard and Grégoire Jacques. They've been very successful in the Challenger Tour this year, a 15-2 win-loss record. They've actually only lost the final in Hossdorf and uh, the first round in Zug. So this is their fourth title already. Um, that's, a, that's a fantastic round that the two Frenchmen are on. And the other finalists were uh, Fernando Romboli and Marcelo Zorman. So uh, an all-Brazilian pairing there. And the last Challenger 75, we are actually moving over to the States. This was also a very exciting run from Adam Walton to get his first Challenger title. He is a former college player, of course. We have been talking about him a little bit since the end of 2022, when he had that um, win against Vukic in Sydney, which back then really surprised us. But yeah, since since he ended college, he has five uh, ITF titles already, and now a challenger as well. And this was a superb run, really, because he beat uh, number two seed Hijikata, the number three seed Brody, and number four seed Moreno del Alboran and compared to his last challenger like deep runs he was playing so much uh, more aggressively he was serving great hitting some incredible forehand winners and going to the net uh, you know so just just some really fun positive tennis four upsets along the way because also against dukayev he wasn't the favorite and the main thing to talk about here is that he saved the match points in two uh, on two occasions this week you know he saved one against Billy harris in the second round which was um, in the second set tie-break, I think, on serve. I, I, can't, I don't know what it is because I have not... Um, like, the replay is broken, so I cannot, you know, come back to it. And I didn't watch the match. But against Moreno Dalboran, he actually saved them both, I think, with forehand winners. And um, they were on, uh, on return, actually. Uh, you know, Moreno Dalboran led 5-4, 40-15 on serve in the third set and blew it. So uh, from Walton's perspective it was just some very ballsy play and in general like the whole final it seemed like you know Moreno Dalboran has more experience, he should be winning this one probably and anytime he would go ahead ahead finally uh, it was Walton just coming up with some incredible stuff you know it was Walton just suddenly showing you that he's not quite out of this final yet and uh, yeah, what what a what a run really to beat Hijikata, Brody Moreno Talboran in a row, you know, to get to gain your first Challenger title—that's something incredible. And similarly to a couple of guys that we have already talked about um, in this episode, you know, Adam Walton is very much in contention to make Australian Open qualies, potentially. So that would be um, that would be something incredible, of course, for the for the young Australian who has just finished uh, his college career last year in uh, in June. And um, the finalist, Nicolas Moreno Dalboran, he has sort of gotten us used to him reaching deep stages of these hardcore challengers. And uh, by the way, this is a really interesting thing that he has played five challenger finals and in all of them, he had match points. And yet he only has two challenger titles because he lost to Gomez in Salinas blowing five match points. He lost to Purcell this year. Um, sorry this year yeah this year in Chennai losing blowing two match points I think as well or maybe three and then in Kerry here he blows two against Adam Walton so some definite issues cho- uh, you know clinching these titles there I think the one especially against Gomez was the most brutal that was of course in 2022 and he had five five match points I think seven, six, five, three, forty 40 love and he misses a smash on one of these um so yeah just really wild you know that he had five challenger finals only has two titles but had match points to win all of them right uh but yeah still still a good run for him of course he'll just be very disappointed with how it ended for him on sunday he beat kips on pennystone along the way and also a couple of collegians in dostanich and van de castele um i'm sorry if i butchered that pronunciation but i have no clue how to how to read his name yet at least And then in the semifinals, we also had Patrick Kibson, you know, Patrick Kibson of the recent um, USDA Roland Garros wildcard challenge winning fame. And then, of course, also a maiden challenger Titan in still going pretty strong. Uh, He beat Tung Lin Wu, Song Chan Hong and um, Keegan Smith along the way to the semis, which was actually a pretty tough draw, I think, um, regarding most of the... Uh, how most of the field looked. He was actually on track to m- meet Alexander Shevchenko in the second round, but of course, Shevchenko lost to Hong in the opening round. And then uh, Nicolas Moreno di Alboran was the guy that eliminated Patrick Kipson. Uh, but still a good run, uh, obviously. And Liam Brody was the other semi-finalist, probably one of the favorites for the title, you know, and he Definitely felt like this going into the semis. Then he lost to Walton. He was actually like 5-3 up in the second set and lost Um, He beat Lloyd Harris in the quarterfinals, which was well according to the bookies a slight upset and that definitely felt like a huge match in regards to like who will win this title and etc. He also crashed uh, Elliot speed city. So, yeah, uh, a bit of an opportunity missed there from Brody to not even get to the deciding set against Walton. But then again, as we said, the, the young Australian, uh, well, the young Australian, 24 years old, was just incredible this weekend. Like, whenever there was any pressure moments, he would just raise his game, you know, and hit more incredible forehand winners. So, um, yeah, perhaps perhaps that's how we're going to look at this run from, from Brody. Um, but yeah also from I think from the Brits perspective you know he is looking at potentially making the top 100 this year and the Austrian Open qualifying uh, um, sorry and the Austrian Open main draw so when you have a semi-final um, of a challenger against Adam Walton and then you have to play Moreno d'Alboran I think from Brody's perspective you kind of have to look at it as a missed chance but anyway you know for now he is actually live still in the top 100 of the ATP race 99 but you know, so you you can see that it's like barely top 100. So there, there's still work to be done, uh, but but yeah, another solid run that might eventually result in him getting an Australian Open main draw spot at the end of the year. Uh, although you know, it's still it's still definitely unsafe. And when it comes to the doubles uh, in Kerry, our last challenger that we are reviewing this uh, this week, we had the top seeds, so Evan King and Reese Stolder beating Michaelis Nibietis and Adam Alton, so Adam Walton very close to completing their double in carry. Uh, this was their second event together, you know, I think Ivan King and Reese Stolder, you guys probably know that they've been playing together a lot this year. And this is actually their third challenger title, no, fourth already this year, so uh, great stuff and uh, they also won one last year at the, uh, at the, at the very end of the season. And yeah, this year they already have four, four, four titles and two finals. So uh, pretty incredible stuff from the guys there. And uh, when it comes to match and upset of the week, this is a bit of a tricky one. Match of the week, uh, I think the final in Kerry um, has to take the cake, right? It's, uh, it's also the, the the one that's leading in the poll right now. It's leading over Bernie Tomic against da Silva in uh, Santo Domingo, but we also haven't had this many votes because, as I said, um, the um, well, the final in Santo Domingo ended at like five a.m. my time, so I posted the poll a lot later than usual. So uh, we also haven't had as many votes as as uh, as we usually have by the time we are recording. So uh, maybe this changes, but for now it's Walton, Moreno de Alboran leading the the poll. And I think that's also what I'm going for. You know, just the drama of having a final where one player saves match points. It's also a maiden title and like he actually plays incredibly well to get there. I think that that's probably better than most most other uh, things that we've had this week. And when it comes to the upsets, um, let me think about it. I think I picked Reedy to win the title in Kerry, which honestly was a little optimistic, but uh, he lost to Vallejo, which is up there, but probably not that strong, given, you know, Ridi has been struggling a little bit. There's also um, a great one. In another one uh, in Kerry was Blake Ellis beating Tennis Sandgren. You know, given Sandgren's recent good form, I think this is definitely among the possible winner picks. Um, let me look if there was anything uh, that the bookies valued higher. Martino over Novak, yes, 6-2, 6-2, that was quite wild. Me and Jakub both picked Denis Novak to win the title in Cordenons, so um, that was quite something as well, that he lost 6-2, 6-2 to Martino. I actually didn't see the match, so I cannot really tell you what happened there, but maybe that's actually going to be my um, my winner, uh, sorry, my, my upset of the week pick. And from what I see, there's also in the Dominican Republic, there were a couple of big ones in um, Peter Bertrand beating Nick Hart in this battle of local players. Is that so surprising? Uh, Maybe, of course, Hart is like the more established player, 100%. And also uh, Bernie Tomin beating Hugo Delian. Does this count as a huge upset given the fact that it's green clay? I think it still does. Uh, so yeah I think I'm just going to go with Martinov and Novak then it's not the result itself but it's also the six to six the reso- six to score and the fact that Novak seemed to be getting some sort of um, momentum in recent weeks and then of course it all ended in this very poor manner but yeah anyway uh, let's get to the events that we're going to preview or you know I am going to preview in this case um, I've gotten used to the the Wii. And um, yeah, let's start from the only Challenger 125 that we have, which is in Stanford. It actually has already started uh, its main draw, because um, this is the only event this week that starts on Sunday. And we had... uh, how many? Five um, main draw matches completed. So, you know, it's, it's gonna be a bit easier to talk about the favorites, I suppose, at least from that perspective. I think one of these matches has actually been going on while I was talking but I see that it's already done okay so yeah let's get let's just get to the draw and Artur Rindernech is the champion this is the event I think that uh, sort of um, comes in for Vancouver last year because they they just swapped the dates right and Vancouver was the 125 right before US Open qualifying and Rindernech won it last year so um, he is sort of the defending champion but he's actually not of course because this is the first event of the. This is the first event in Stanford and he's playing Federico Gallo in the first round then there's also a very exciting match of Americans between Queen and Nava uh, we already have Andreev and Kovacevic in the second round there uh, then Michael Moe is the first seed also could be one of the title favourites playing Mitchell Kruger uh, who's uh, already qualified we also have the qualifiers here Zvchina uh, uh, against Jung, that's maybe maybe less exciting. And also Tiago Tirante is interestingly here trying to get some hardcore practice before the qualifying of the US Open. And he has a pretty open section with Shima Bukuro, Tristan Boyer and Bradley Klan. Lots lots of things can happen there. Borna Goyo is already in the second round having beaten Kukushkin, but he's going to face Alex Michelson and Fernando Verdasco or Alexander Kosbinov will play Constant Lestien who saved seven match points against Dane Sweeney today and won the final set tiebreak 14-12 so a wild wild match there and um, the first round at the very bottom of the draw is just ridiculous Steve Johnson against Yosuke Watanuki you know both guys in in very decent form provided that Watanuki has recovered from the injury and uh, in that section they can play Moreno Dalboran or Chapel. There's also sixth seed um, James Duckworth playing Genaro Alberto Olivieri. Uh, the, the, of course the champion from last week in Santo Domingo trying to get some hardcore practice as well. And Zachary Svajda plays Adam Walton. So Walton grabbed a special exempt here. When it comes to the qualifying you know we already have the qualifiers. Uh, will they be dangerous in terms of title winning? Maybe Emilio Nava could go on a run but otherwise I don't really see it. I, I, don't, I don't think it's, it's going to happen. Um, I actually don't have the winner picks from uh, Jakub this week yet. If he sends them relatively quickly, then I will just, you know, we will just include them and then talk about them next week. But if, if he doesn't, I guess we're just going to skip this week in terms of the winner predictions. I'm still going to give mine though, right? Even if it's eventually might be just for fun. We'll see how, how quickly Jakub uh, responds with the, with the winner predictions. Anyway, um, Julian Cash, Henry Patton, the top seeds in the doubles, by the way. So Patton is... Uh, sorry, was it Patton or was it Cash that, that was out? You can see how uh, my doubles knowledge is absolutely awful and how i i don't really watch it all that often recently but i think it was um uh, i think it was um Patton right that was recently out let me check that uh actually Patton was out for two months yes so our our favorite pairing is back uh, Patton actually already played in Kerry last week with uh, Luke Johnson while Cash was sitting out he, he after playing Los Cabos and yeah this this is going to be pretty interesting because um yeah the the pairing that totally rules the challenger tour in 2022 is finally back playing together in 2022 they actually won 16 titles well include, including the the ITF's that's 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 pretty insane and of course this year they only have one so far in Sarasota Uh, But they've been playing on the main tour a lot, which is why they haven't amassed must titles. Anyway, uh, who is my winner pick out of this um, singles draw in Stanford? Rindernech, definitely an option. I kind of like his draw, you know, given the fact that Kovacevic is in the second round though and he might play Rindernech in the quarters, I think maybe Derek Kova would be the favorite even. Michael Moe's section is really good and uh, well, in Washington he had a run, right? And then he lost to JJ Wolf, but that that's been a rough matchup for him over the years. So I think Michael Moe could actually be a better selection because his quarter looks very open. Um Goyo playing Michaelson in the second round. I cannot really do it. I could also go for Michelson, honestly. And Johnson Vatanuki. Now it's just it's just impossible to pick out of. So I think I'm gonna go with Michael Moe here, even though he's still in the opening round and my other thoughts as in uh, Michael Senkovacevic there in the second but yeah I just like most quarter quite a lot so I think he has a very good chance at a title. Uh, a challenger 100 that we have this week is uh, obviously in Kozerki which is where I am at the moment so in a week you guys are going to have some you know extra content as I usually call it from Kozerki and um, yeah let's get down to to the draw which uh, is honestly kind of weak then Kolash has also withdrew. The top seeds uh, initially there was Pear and Medjedowicz. but you know who wants to play a Challenger 100 on hardcourts in Europe uh, right before US Open qualifying when you have um, Winnipeg and Stanford in the States, right? Or like in the North Amer- in North in North America, let's say. Uh, but anyway, uh, I think this might potentially be a great opportunity for Polish players. You know why not? Tomasz Mahacz, the defending champion, is the top seed. He's going to play Filip Balivo, so probably not a great opportunity for this Polish player. And uh, one of them will play either a qualifier or Tomasz Berkieta, one of the best juniors in the world right now. I think potentially one of Poland's best... Well, I'm going to say Poland's best chance at a top prospect in the future. So super excited to see how Berkieta looks. But again, even if he beats the qualifier... Mahaj in the second round, so these are not the polls that I'm counting on. Uh, then in that same section is also Ferreira Silva playing Mansuri. Mansuri was the semi finalist in Kozerki last year, and one of them will face Jean Vier or Pellier. The fourth seed is Mark Polmans, he's going to play a qualifier, then a qualifier Ivanovski. Uh, This is a pretty weak section with Jele Cels being the seed and then Cels will play after a qualifier Maybe maybe he loses to a qualifier. He can play Hasan or Pavelski I think Pavelski is one of these guys who could really do something in this draw. He was a bit injured recently, so We'll see how that is. He actually plays today when I'm recording this. It's it's Monday, so he plays today and uh, You know recently he's won like four ITF titles since since December, I think Uh, Massive, absolutely massive serve And the power of the ground as well He is getting more consistent too I think there's no reason why He wouldn't be able to push Benjamin Hassan Last year he played the qualifying In Kozerki and had a great match With Marco Topo Uh, And now the courts are faster That's probably good for him in this matchup yeah, I just really want to see how he looks. But theoretically, the chance to reach like the quarters, the semis is here. Let's see if he's ready. I think he should be making challenger impact soon. And in the bottom half, we have Jesper de Jong playing uh, Santiago Farr Rodriguez Taverna. And then one of them will play Berankis or Charles Broome. I think this could be a really nice draw for Berankis to do something, even if in his 2023 state. And Max Kaśnikowski was supposed to face Denek but instead he gets qualifier or lucky loser. Honestly, on hard courts, it doesn't even have to be easier. And then one of them will play Daily Blanche or Peter Gojowczyk. So, again, for Max, great opportunity. Last year, he also had a nice draw, if you remember. But then Mansuri emerged as a fantastic performer in Kozerki and he beat him in the second round. Max could really use a good event right now. So, I, I am hoping that he makes the quarters here as well. And uh, Elias Simer is a safe seed playing qualifier in the Napolitano or Jules Marie. And this is a very, very strong section at the very bottom with Delor playing Durasovic in the first round and then Zhuk or a qualifier, so um, not not an easy draw for Kasper, but if you can beat the qualifier, you know, Durasovic or Delor, maybe that's doable. So, like, um, if no one out of Kaśnikowski, Zhuk, Pavelski reaches the quarters, I'm actually gonna be a bit sad, I think. Because, um, yeah, the, the draw is there. You know, the, the fact that this is a pretty weak Challenger 100 is just such a massive opportunity for these guys. And hopefully at least one of them will take it. That's that's what I'm hoping for. And when it comes to the qualifying, you know, final round today, yesterday it was the first round. Unfortunately, the polls went 0 out of 5. There are some big names in here, like EFCAF, Kopil, Santillan, Vesely. I think clearly the biggest match of the qualifying today is Kopil That's That's huge. Uh, but I have to point out a couple of polls that played yesterday um, I was hoping for Kelan to beat Naf and then play Vesely uh, in the final qualifying round which would have been such a mouthwatering match as well Kjellan pushed Ofner in Kozerki last year, but unfortunately after like three games, he was um, Already super tired and he said that he feels like he's about to vomit. I Don't know what's going on with his fitness, but like his singles results this year have been awful Um, But recently he's won a challenger title in doubles. I just hope he won't specialize just yet, because he has singles potential, I think. Uh, The serve return, you know, there are massive, very good reactions on return as well. He moves well for his size and like, yeah, just has very satisfying power shots. And um, yeah, I I just hope he doesn't move to doubles too early, you know, because there's still potential if you can get sort out that that fitness and two poles that came very close to winning this match were were Filip Pieczonka and Marcel Kamrowski. Since we are on crack brackets, I have to mention that both of them have college ties. Kamrowski plays for Middle Tennessee State since last year. And um, I also watched him in Łódź a couple of days ago at the 25k playing Vilius Gaubas and almost beating him. And yeah, he just has a very snappy attacking game, you know, decent uh, serve. He was kind of overplaying the drop shot against Statum here in the qualifying uh, in Kozerki. And he came super close to win. He was 5-3 up in the third. He had three match points on return, non-con- non-consecutive. And Yeah, just just made some lousy errors, you know, one of the one of them He also played the drop shot, but that one I actually thought was going in so I don't think he overplayed it there He was very close to making it But also he played this like slice that was three meters out and you could you could see the tension You know rough experience for Marcel But I think eventually maybe after winning college he's gonna be a successful pro Someone who has a better chance though at this I think is Filip Pieczonka you know, back in the juniors, he was perceived as one of Poland's best prospects, but then he had an 18-month doping ban, and right now he is back from it. He came back in June, I think, and also in watch in that at that 25k on clay, he beat Juan Bautista Torres on clay, which is as you as you can tell, a massive win. The, the match lasted over f- almost four hours. Then he was actually v- vomiting a lot at night, and you know, the next day he just was unable to compete. But um, just three days later, he was in Kozerki and he went a set and a break up on Mariusz Kopil. I think during his doping ban, he probably worked a lot on that serve because that massive lefty first serve was just amazing. And the forehand as well to back it up. Uh, I think Petron Karaja has has excellent pro chances, you know, when, when, he, when he finishes college. I know this is not a decision that he was planning to make, but like the, the doping ban just sort of pushed him into it. By the way, the, IT, um, the ITAA said that he bears no fault in his... Like, they accepted his um, excuse for the doping ban, which was that uh, his father started taking some pills and uh, they, you know, he they weren't, like, named. He basically put them in a container and uh, then Petronka's mother, um, unf- unfortunately, like, um, found the tennis bag and she was, like, taking out some clothes... And she found the pills, and then she didn't know that his, um, well, she didn't know that her husband, she didn't know that her husband takes some, uh, you know, steroids. So she swapped them with Pieczonka's, uh pills, which were for, um, how do you call this in in English? Um, I'm struggling right now. It's it's like this um, herpes, Yeah, that that, that was for her for hairpiece that he's apparently struggling with since uh, since his childhood. Uh, I know it sounds far fetched. Um, You know the ITIA accepted it. I don't know. Uh, the 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 main thing is, I guess, that he has served his ban, whether it was whether it was warranted or not. And uh, yeah, he looks like like still again looks like a very good talent. He will be playing college tennis for University of Tennessee soon. And as I said, it like wasn't the decision that he wanted to make. It's just what the doping ban has sort of forced him to do. And uh, if Olaf Pichkovski also decides to uh, to go to college after all, they're going to be in the same team, which you know should be should be pretty nice for both guys, right? And uh, but yeah, anyway, zero and five for poles in qualifying round one, which which. Stinks a bit because especially Kamerowski and Pechonka had um, major winning chances, I would say. Um, but yeah, I think with that we can eventually get to the to the singles winners. Although actually, let me let me just mention that in the doubles there's going to be Łukasz Kubot playing with Kacper Zuk. Uh, I don't know how this is going to look. You know, Kubot had some minor surgery recently, and he apparently wants to continue his career. Whereas at first I think the plan was to retire at Davis Cup this September. Uh, but right now he actually wants to continue his career. Uh, obviously, he's still winless for the year, but he's only played three matches, I think. And uh, he has been playing a bit in the Polish league. Um, in fact, on Saturday there was the last, um, yeah, the last match that, that his club had to play. And I watched it because it was at the very same venue. This is the, this is the club that hosts the Challenger. And, um, Kubot and Żuk almost lost to Piotr Pavlak and Maximilian Samojłowicz. If you haven't heard of these guys, I would be surprised if you did. Although Pavlak is a college player for Texas Tech, I think. Um, and yeah, they, Samojo, Pavlak and Samojłowicz had two match points on Kubot and Żuk and the whole match looked a bit dire from the two so i wonder if they can somehow get themselves into better double shape by the time they have to play broom and white house you know maybe this uh, this match against some pavlak samoyovic will give them you know some rhythm and some momentum but but yeah of course the the former world number one lukasz kubot playing doubles here is still a pretty big story and i, I really like the fact that Behar and Pavlashek are here too you know the guys that um, have been so impressive anytime I'm watching them, basically, and yeah, when it comes to the winner picks, I think I have to go with Thomas Mahach. He is playing and Berjeta, which should theoretically be easy for him. You know, he has been also struggling with a bit of a shoulder issue recently, but he had a week off. He has been practicing in in Koserki already, so yeah, I I think I just got to go with Mahach, the defending champion. Last year, he showed that he is willing to. Um, play this to the end and then go to US Open Qualies and it was actually even a worse situation because this event was finishing on Sunday last year and right now it's actually gonna be wrapped up on Saturday so you know one more day of rest in in the States I guess so yeah I think I just have to go with Mahaj and I'm pretty sure if Jakub was here or you know if he if he sends over the the winner predictions pretty quickly I'm pretty sure he's gonna go with him as well because it just seems like Mahaj has such a big edge over the field and if he loses it's probably gonna be, you know, due to his own wrongdoing rather than anything else. Especially as, you know, guys like Delore, um, Juk, Emer, they're they're all in the bottom Berankis, they're all in the bottom half. So I'm not really sure if Mahaj has that much of a chance of losing before the final here. But anyway, um let's get over let's get over to the only other Euro- European event that we have this week, which is in Todi. In um, of course in Italy. Pedro Cacin is the defending champion, but of course he's not here. He's very much a main tour player at the moment. And the top seed is jean Piroz, still looking for that top 100 debut. Perhaps he can earn it this week if he wins the title. And he's going to play Daniel Michalski. Michalski is not in Grodzisk or in Kozerki, however you want to call it, as this is on hard courts, and obviously he wants to keep playing on clay. Uh, he can't stop running into these Hungarian Golden Generation guys this this year. He played Marosan in Antalya, he played Valkus in Poland, and he played Pirosh already, actually, in Sákecz Hervar, but he had to retire because of a cold that he had after five games. So right now, I guess he gets another shot at Pirosh in a way. And one of them will play Caruso Ortabur. There's also Andrea Pellegrino, the recent finalist, of course. And um, whatever the Italian challenger was that week, I'm sorry, against Moes Ecargui. Um, Pellegrino will start and the draw actually looks kind of nice for him to get to the quarters. Uh, this is a huge one in the opening round between Mariano Navone and Enrico Dallavalle. There's also Forti and Fonio in this section. And the other city is Roman Andres Buruchaga coming over from... Um, or not come no sorry not coming over from from uh, Santo Domingo right he was actually playing uh, in Europe already I'm sorry uh, I forgot that he was one of the guys who was involved in that um, 0-9 comeback in the doubles and then Luciano Darderi is the seventh seed playing Lucas Gerg who has just won a 15k in Frankfurt it was actually a pretty stacked one so I'm interested to see if he can follow it up here uh, Lopez Montagut, and Loro are also in this section and Duya Aydukovic plays Javier Barranco-Cosano in the first round which could be a pretty huge one and Aydukovic seeded as a challenger, right? That's 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 something for him because of course recently he had to qualify for basically everything and the, the last quarter has Camilo Gucarabelli as the second seed playing Lorenzo Giustino, then De or Squire and uh, Maestrelli is the eighth seed playing Giorgio Tobacco and then Serdarusic or Rokabataya. So overall I think a very even sort of draw. Uh, pretty hard to pick out a winner from this when it comes to the qualifying. Maybe Matis Erhard could go on around. Maybe Milan Zekic recovers recently. I think he's been playing the ITFs um, quite a lot. So maybe he he gets some momentum going. And then um, in the doubles, you know, probably nothing that's, that's really all that interesting. Federico Agustin Gomez, Marcus Willis again, the, uh, the very um, cool pairing that we, that we constantly have recently. And also David Marrero, Druva Muglia, obviously playing again with a wild card. Uh, you know, don't even get me started, right? And they're going to play Romboli and Zorman in the, in the first round. So I think, you know, an early exit is, is, is probably coming. Uh, not probably, like, 100%, unless Romboni and Zorman decide to fix. Like, that. <laughs> there's no the other way, right, that Muglia wins a match against such, such good guys. Uh, but anyway, um, when it comes to the winners, I don't really think that Idukovic, you know, will be such a constant final presence. So, Baranko Cosano, opening round, that's pretty tough too. Uko Carabelli has not been all that convincing despite making the final. And I don't want to go into this. This is such a big first round. So I think I'm actually going to go with either Pirosh or uh, Pellegrino. So someone out of the first quarter. The thing is that I really don't want to go against Michalski. But can he beat Pirosh? you know, 90% of the time? Probably not. So, so I think I'm just going to go with Jombor Pirosh. I think that would put him right back into top one hundred contention, or maybe even breaking it already. Let me let me see where he is in the live rankings right now. Six hundred six. Um, depending on the on the results of other players this week, it could get him into the top one hundred, or it just could get him, you know, very close to it again. But anyway, uh, yeah, I'm gonna go Jean-Ber So this is actually the second event where I'm picking the top seed after Mahach. And in Stanford, I think I picked the third seed, Michael Moe. So no uh, no trend there, no line that I could follow going into Winnipeg. And Winnipeg, the last event, Jug Draper finally is back. Hopefully he's going to be healthy. I saw some videos of him practicing, but of course, you know, that's not enough really. <laughs> To, to tell you how he's going to look he's, he's, he's going to play Rio Noguchi in the opening rounds then Tyson Kwa- Kwiatkowski or Chris Rodesh the college player from Luxembourg then Artur Kazo is in his quarter so that would be huge Draper Kazo Kazo will face a qualifier and then Andres Martin the Georgia Tech college player or a qualifier Ben Bonzi can he finally get some form going before he, before he gets that US Open wildcard I don't know he plays Yutashimizu. Shimizu. And then Bryden Schnur, um, also, of course, uh, a player coming back after a while uh, in, uh, or a qualifier. And Dominic Striker is the seventh seed playing Christian Harrison and then Pennystone or Taha Badi. Uh, and in the bottom half, there's a super exciting match in the opening round between Riti and Kofenu. There's also Diallo Cuoco in that very same quarter, so that's a stacked one. And other players there too. I mean, Galerno, Belucci, Mayo, what a quarter. And um, the other seeds are Luca Nardi and Liam Brody in the third quarter with Nardi playing a qualifier and then Dan Martin or Piri Harris. Brody will play a qualifier as well and then Suor Mochizuki. So a bit of an easier one there, but still pretty competitive, I think. Winnipeg has a very strong draw by the way, compared to like even compared to Stanford, it actually holds up quite well. Um, so it's it's not gonna be that easy to win um, for anyone really. In the qualifying, uh, probably no one that can really win it. I'm excited for the match between Pekotic and King. I, I would assume it, I would assume that Matija Pekotic is going to be uh, a pretty sizable favorite there, especially given how he played yesterday in the qualies. And um yeah let's let, let's think about this let's let's think about who can win this title you know Jack Draper is just such a mystery right now I don't know if, if he's ready for this yet because well he's just coming back from an injury Arthur Kazoo always a, a, an option I think in these sort of events of course he was recently the finalist in losing to uh, Steve Johnson uh, and his draw for the first two rounds looks pretty good so maybe I'm just gonna go with Kazo. Bonzi, I recently picked him and he lost to Diaz so uh, no, not gonna do that again is Dom's 3 a possibility? I think so, you know, he recently lost that one in Zook to Delore in the opening round he dropped down in the rankings a bit but of course he is always dangerous and he has a nice draw, I think playing Christian Harrison and then Panistander or Tahabadi um, Nardi Brody. I'm not really sure who to go with here. Hopefully Nardi will keep up his level from Porto, right? Like w- whether he beats Brody or not, that's that's something that uh, he cannot really control. But like he can control it, of course. But sometimes it's it's not going to be that easy. But Nardi, uh, yeah, hopefully just keeps up that form. Um, what I mean is that basically it just wouldn't be a matchup where everything is is, is under his control, definitely not. And then that bottom quarter of the drop, Diallo, Quaco, Galarno, Mayo, Wow. I mean I, I really uh, feel sorry for the qualifier who's gonna enter that that section. Uh but anyway, um who am I picking then? I think I'm gonna go with that Kazo selection. I think Striker is my other option, basically. Kazo is a little more Consistent, a little bit more predictable, but then he's also had a few weaker, weird losses. So, yeah, I just, I just think that Kazo will get to the quarters, and if he plays Draper at the moment, he could as well win. And I think if he loses to Draper, then maybe Draper wins the title, right? If he, provided he holds up physically, of course, which recently. Uh, yeah it just hasn't been the case but hopefully this time it's actually going to work out for him so yeah guys this is going to be this for uh, this is going to be it for this week I noticed that recently when I do a solo episode it's basically 60 minutes and something and change and when I do it with Jakub it's basically 70 minutes and change and we are very very consistent with it but of course the this very nature of the show is like um, you know it kind of has this format right that it that it follows and provided there are um four or five challenger events every week i think the the timing is going to be very similar Uh, next week there's probably going to be a longer episode with the extra stuff from kozerki hopefully um that i hopefully will get for you so yeah i'll see you then and um we hopefully with jakub as well we're going to discuss uh, kozerki winnipeg stanford and toddy thanks for listening as usual and uh, i'll see you next time